Ladies, ladies a leisure, ladies, ladies a leisure, ladies, ladies a leisure, leisure. Hello and welcome to Ladies of Leisure. I'm Lisa. And I'm Sljana. And today's episode is super exciting. Oh my God, we did such a great word. It was food. F-O-O-D, food, food. Yes, it was amazing. And honestly, I'm like so obsessed with food that this was like no big deal. (laughs) (laughs) So at first I was like, oh, well, I wonder, like, I mean, sometimes I talk about food. Should I really live through it? And I thought it was going to be a repeat of, was it delight or indulge? One of those words we did about a year ago where I just consumed all the food in a ridiculous manner. But no, I was very wise. I think it's because of Weight Watchers. And I did all kinds of stuff. And I saw that you've been posting on the Instagram this week that you did all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, it's just a blast, especially now because we have so much time to like actually try recipes that might take a little bit longer to, you know, make and stuff. Yeah. I found myself doing things where I was like, this would have been intimidating to do with children screaming in my face in the evening, but now I can take a longer time to take the one, two hours to do the process. Or maybe I'll actually sit here and read, read how to use a knife like an adult, maybe chop my food like a normal person, these type of things. <laughs> all of the, yeah. all the life skills. <laughs> All those crucial skills that people seem to have that I don't. It was amazing. Oh, all the things. Would you like to talk about your food week? Sure. Okay. You go crazy. Food wouldn't be complete without me talking about a show that I'm obsessed with that talks about food. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Which, by the way, I'm very sad that you did not like size groceries. (laughs) So, because you had waxed poetic about it all over the podcast, I was like, sure. Me. So uh, this week, my husband and I, after the kids go to bed, we've been torn between what shows to watch. So we decided, I said, Hey, Slajana recommended the show guys, grocery games. Let's watch. We made it nine minutes and 45 seconds. We are just not food people in a traditional food sense. I, the closest I get is British Bake Off and I have to be watching it with someone. I can't watch it by myself. So usually I binge it with my mom when I go home, but I either need, there's a show, Sugar Rush, where they make these ridiculous desserts in like teams of two, and it could Uh come out to be a hot mess. They usually don't. They're usually pretty good. Or I need Nailed It. Guys, Grocery Games was too much. So we watched the episode where they're going around in a grocery car and they're like, you have to make Waldorf salad. And some people didn't know what that was. So they had to stick to the four key ingredients. And they're like, it wasn't even like a... I think I thought it was going to be like a grocery store challenge where you see people flying around the grocery store and like throwing things into their cart. So it was less exciting. They were casually like looking over ingredients in a very methodical chef-like manner. And I was like, oh, all right. And they're like talking about ingredients. So like, I really think that I'm going to add this dill pickle (laughs) to a Waldorf salad. See, I love it because it just shows me different techniques of like how I could cook things. And I am obsessed with that. 
So. And see, I need more hot mess things. I need to be like, okay, you have T minus two minutes to put together a meal for four random people. Go. What do you have? You have a tuna can, you have milk, and you have some sketchy looking flour. Go. So I, I think it was, I, I needed more hot mess and it was a little too much like a Food Network thing. It, it seemed like a good show for the same reason you just brought up, like it shows you real techniques. I also get irritated when there's nothing for me in that show, meaning I'm not, I'm not absorbing what they're doing and applying it to my own life. And I, other people get to eat the food and I don't get to enjoy it. So I'm like, Oh, well, yeah. Well, it always makes me really show? hungry. I always find myself being like, it's time to eat now after watching it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So I think that was my other fear is I was like, oh, all right. And then Alex it doesn't even like nailed it or anything involving food. So he was just like, what What am I doing? What is this? Like, I can't, I can't <laughs> handle it. I will say afterwards, he chose to watch the movie that was three and a half hours long called The Irishman, where it's oh, like, oh, this. did you? Oh, I'm not very impressed watching with it. it. <laughs> he started watching. I was like, you know what? We're all making bad choices tonight. Like, there's nothing that we like. He ended up finishing it over like two sittings. But I was like, yeah, I'm gonna tap out. Yeah. So going back to you, you indulged in your favorite show, which well, is great if you're not me or Alex. Yeah. Well, that's a different situation. We actually found another show. <gasps> it's called Meat Eat Eater. So the thing about this show is that if you're like anti-guns, anti-hunting, you just shouldn't watch it. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, oh, well, I do love some good venison. Like when my hunter friends get like a deer or bison. I like bison. Bison's pretty good. Yeah. It's really neat. This guy basically is like a professional hunter essentially. And he kind of makes you think about like the origins of your food. And the show is really interesting because they have like such a respect for the animal and like the food that it provides. And like they use all parts of the animal and it brings like people together when they do a roast or whatever. And then there's also just like a very, very strong respect for nature and what it provides and all of that stuff. So at first I thought I wouldn't like the show because I was like, I don't know. I'm not a hunter. I don't, I don't know. I don't get it, whatever. But after watching the show, it's actually really cool because it just like shows me a different perspective of like, hunting essentially it's not just like oh these people are just trying to like kill the biggest game like they actually just use it for food like they don't pay for meat <laughs> and they because they go and get it right and they spend days like trying to get like one particular like animal you know it's like a lot of time is dedicated they chase this thing around not chase it but like follow it as it's like making its daily patterns and like all of this stuff. So what were, what were some of the weird animals that they had? Cause I assume they weren't just doing deer. Cause that no, would- it's not just deer. Each episode is something different. Last night we watched one that was, it's like does, but in Mexico, I forgot the oh, name okay. of them. 
but they're very like nimble and just beautiful. But there's another one that they went fishing to get like this big like flathead fish. Oh. And the flathead fish can range up to like 30 pounds. Oh, so it's a big one. Yeah, like huge. And they had like a big fish fry. They brought an entire family together. Like there is a cool kind of concept of like like food to table concept, like nature to table kind of thing. So I don't know. It's just a cool eye-opening show, at least for me. So highly recommend. I... having spent some time in North Dakota where people just take weeks off to go hunting and it's just acknowledged like this is what what's happening. It was interesting to see the process that people go to. So they would shoot whatever was in season, you know, duck, whatever, deer. I'm trying to think if there was any other major ones that they did. And then you would have to get it dressed. So you would have to decide like, what parts do you want? Take it to butcher, get all the stuff taken care of. So yeah, there was a little bit of, oh, it's not just you're going after something. And there would be times where like they go out hunting and they're like, oh yeah, we didn't get anything. We we didn't come back with anything. You're like, ooh, that's a long time just in a tree. No, it's interesting. They actually had one episode. It was these two gals that they had never, they had just started like hunting And they had never shot a gun or a rifle or anything. And they like spent days practicing shooting. And they, I guess they say the first like hunt, it's always best to do a turkey. So I I don't know the rationale behind it, but so they shoot a turkey. They're angry. (laughs) Yeah. But they, they're really beautiful birds when you look at them, like with their feathers and stuff. So they're um, angry. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> They'll chase you. So they like they went on a hunt with this guy, and these girls were like total newbies. And the first one managed to get her, like a turkey, and she basically cried, and she was like, "There's so much." like respect that goes into this, like this, the life of this animal and the food that it's going to provide. And she just said, it's not anything like she thought it would be. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. Yeah. So kind of a cool, cool show that I highly recommend. So moving on from that, food wouldn't be complete if I didn't try a bunch of recipes. <laughs> of course. That's what I was hoping. <laughs> oh, so, the first recipe I made was a Greek egg crunch wrap. Oh. So basically, I it's kind of like a omelet, but I put like like tortilla, low carb tortilla wraps. Okay. But I took feta, kale, onion, and pork chop. Oh, this is very healthy you got going on here. <laughs> I'm trying to stay with my weight watcher. I know. I, know. <laughs> I, was, I was a little, a little more fatty on my side. <laughs> well, there are some things that are a little bit different. And then I, like, I learned that with eggs, the lower heat, the better they are. Like you gotcha. just gotta, you gotta have eggs on low temperature and cook them for a little bit longer to avoid like them getting too tough. 
at least okay. for the scrambled egg egg. So I like basically let it bake as it, you know, in a pan. And then I kind of like scrambled them up, up a bit. Then I took a cast iron, layered Ooh. it, layered it with the low carb tortillas. Okay. Put the egg, scrambled egg filling in the, on top. Then put another tortilla on there. Folded everything in, and then like seasoned it really well. Like the like brushed it with a little butter, and then seasoned it with like flavored salt. Okay. And then just baked it. And it was like for like five minutes. It was so good. Was it? Oh, yes. I just find that most food heated up is more delicious. Yeah, basically. That sounds gross. I do like like cold pizza in the morning, to be honest with you. Like the night after pizza. The night after pizza. I can sometimes do that. It depends, I think, on the type of pizza. You know, it, like re- pizza that you get from like a real pizzeria, definitely. My frozen pizza, mm, yeah, you have to do some Agreed. some tender love and care on those guys. <laughs> Not even my air fryer will help those guys. Agreed. Agree. The other thing I made was just a, a like throwback to pasta salad. I feel like pasta salad is such a spring summer staple. Yep. So I decided that I was going to make a vegetarian version because I didn't have ham. And I was like, well, it's, fr- it's lighter. <laughs> so I just used, I did like a pantry challenge. So I was like, what vegetables do I have in the fridge, like around the house kind of thing? And yep, I just chopped those up real small. And then I made my own dressing with like vinegar, olive oil, Italian seasoning, a little bit of paprika, and just mixed it all together. And then I actually put feta in there instead of mozzarella, and it was delicious. So that was another recipe I tried. Then I saw on Instagram, everyone is like... Everyone's making this Dalgona coffee. Is that the whipped coffee or is that different? Yes. Yeah. It's okay. like with the Insta. Yeah. The Nest Cafe. Yes. Correct. And I was like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> did you do it? I did. I did. It honestly requires like a lot more work than people make it out to be. Because I watched this one video and this girl just used like a froth, like her little mini like hand portable frother. And I don't know what kind, what brand she has, but like my personal frother did not froth like it needed to. I had to bring out like a mixer, <laughs> like a, a, mixer. Hand, a hand mixer to get it to be as frothy. Yeah. So basically the whipped coffee, there not there something weird in it? So it looks like it's a beautiful ice cream or a shake, but it's because the instant coffee, there's a chemical thing that happens. So you can't just use like regular coffee. There's something in there that will make the frothiness. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's... Yeah. (laughs) But is there something else you have to add to it? What did you add to yours? So you do like two tablespoons of instant coffee, two tablespoons of water, like just like dashes a little water. And then 
sugar to your liking, but instant coffee is very bitter. So to like counteract it, you kind of have to add a decent amount of sugar. (laughs) Yeah. And then you put like milk on ice, like ice. And then you put the, like the frothing or like the whipped con the whipped, like instant coffee on top. But I personally actually like the reverse where you put the whipped like mix on the bottom and then pour with milk because like it's kind of weird to try to drink just froth. It looks prettier. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I kind of reverse engineered it and I put, I, I mean, I did it originally like the way it's supposed to be, but then I reversed it the second time I did it. And it's pretty good, but it's definitely high sugar. So it's like a Friday treat if you're going to do it. Yeah. And I looked at that thinking, I don't like coffee flavored things, which is weird. I like my coffee in the morning tasting not like coffee, which is why I drown it in like milk or creamer or anything else. So when I looked at like instant coffee, I was like, oh, a hard pass. I don't care how cool it looks on the Instagrammies. I'm going to say no. No, I did it. (laughs) But actually, instant coffee is really good. If you want to do like iced coffee and stuff too, instant coffee works better than regular coffee. So Yeah. So I usually like... uh, Yeah, I can't do... I'm trying to think if I've ever done iced coffee that I've liked. So usually... uh, Here's here's when I've used cold coffee with Irish cream in an alcoholic beverage. That is the only time I think, oh, and in a dessert. So otherwise, I don't like my coffee cold. Yeah. I was actually thinking it would be really good to do rum chata with Bailey's and the instant coffee. I think it would be delicious. Yeah. I haven't tested it out, but I think it could be great. Yeah. I find anything with Bailey's works as long as it's not like raspberry or, or something terrible that would go with like Bailey's. But yeah, that sounds great. And rum chata, oh, mm-hmm. we did have a question a while back. How do how do you store rum chata? And does it go bad? We keep it in the freezer. Yeah, we did not, and <laughs> it might have gone chunky. Oh, gross! Then, yeah, yeah, it was still good. None of us got the poops. <laughs> Right, but that may have come up in our house at some point. Like, hey, this is cream. Should we have put it somewhere? I don't know. Hmm, okay, all right. Yeah, we've had it for a while. Are you supposed to put Bailey's in the fridge? So we keep our Bailey's in the fridge now because we believe that rum chata and Bailey's are cousins. Oh, and they should now be refrigerated because we had chunky rum chata one time. Honestly, I should probably put our Bailey's in the fridge then. <laughs> well, I mean, you do you. As long as it's not chunky, I think it's good to go. I we for years stored Bailey's not in a refrigerator, but now because we usually serve it over like ice or something, it just kind of makes sense to keep it cold. But yeah, things we would love to know if a listener actually knows. <laughs> Why would I bother with Google? Oh, can I go off on a mini tangent? Of course. So pandemic. Nextdoor.com is the website where all your neighbors get on and talk about things that you're like, that probably should have been Google search and not a shout out to all of your neighbors. Yep. I just love it when I'm like, no, don't, don't ask your neighbors. So one person was like, Hey, what is this bird? And it was a blue jay, like one of those giant blue birds that are just slightly aggressive, if not hostile to other birds. 
And I was like, again, you could have Google searched that, but a bunch of people weighed in. Someone was like, oh, that's a swallow. It's not a swallow, you big turkey. And then someone finally came on. It was like, it's a blue jay, but watch out. They are aggressive with other birds and they're meat eaters. They tear apart other birds. And I was like, well, that I think is strong because most birds are meat eaters. They do eat worms. Those are meat. And then mm, I don't know that it's a cannibal. I don't think it's eating other birds, but this is just another thing where we could Google Ramchata and find out the answer, but I'd love to hear from our listeners. Much like I love watching nextdoor.com be like, should I go to the hospital? Or today, the recent one was, hey, I know a pandemic's going on, but there's been two cars at the local library sitting there. I think we should do something and contact the police. I'm like, that is not a problem right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you and I have a very like strong affinity for next door because I track it like crazy. <laughs> yes. Honestly, my laugh out loud is going to be about next door. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. All right. So is, it wasn't a tangent. It was just bringing everything full circle. So please go back to your beautiful, you just finished whipped coffee and you're making all the recipes. Yeah. So making all the recipes there. And then I do have another show that I recommend. And you maybe might like this because there's some like feels involved in it. Okay. Okay. You know, it's the try is the word of the year. So I'll try it. (laughs) So it's called Midnight Diner Tokyo Series. Oh. This guy, he basically has a diner that's open from, what was it? 7 a.m. I think. Hold on. Let me look really quick. I forgot. Yeah, we won't look up Ramchata, but we'll definitely look up (laughs) what what time the uh, show takes place. I'm very committed to that. Sorry, midnight to 7 a.m. is when his restaurant opens. So basically, all these patrons, like post-partying, whatever, come in and they share, like he gets to like hear all their like store life stories. So I'm definitely into this. Yeah. So it's under 30 minutes. And so it's easy to kind of like catch up on it and not like invest too many hours. But he's like the executive chef, but they are known. He's known as master. (laughs) Oh, they call him master. Yeah. His real name is like Karu Kobayashi. Oh, yeah. But he's like, no, you call me master. I'm open from midnight to 7 a.m. for you turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> so highly recommend that one as well. Okay. I, that one I might check out because that sounds like it's feels and hot messes and yeah. food is like a byproduct. Yeah. It's a combo. <laughs> so highly recommend. The other thing I, of course, did was cruise the Instagram for like cooking inspo and people to follow. And I discovered this girl called half this handle called Half Baked Harvest. And the girl's name is Tegan, but she has the most beautiful food photos I've ever seen. Like everything she like today, she made like homemade cauliflower gnocchi just because. (laughs) 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 The other day, she made like a a pan fried brie like it just looked gorgeous <laughs> right she, she she and i would not be friends <laughs> no it's her her stuff is like not hot mess enough for you to like take on. You, like you prefer a little bit of a challenge she like wants beauty and perfection i feel like yes yes <laughs> 
<laughs> but she's awesome. And she has a book called HBH Simple, Super Simple Cookbook. So is it simple though? Well, I haven't checked out the cookbook, but I am inspired to make some of the food she makes. <laughs> yeah. Cause I feel like it's like when the barefoot Contessa is like, you can totally do this. I was like, could I, could I barefoot Contessa? I can't even chop my food. I had to learn what a knife was for real this week. Fair, fair. But I do love me some Ina Garten. I mean, she just, she's amazing. <laughs> Right. But there's usually like one or two ingredients. I'm like, nope, nope. That yeah. that will drive me crazy. If like there's one ingredient where I'm like, who, who has that? And again, I think it's because you pointed out, I do the pantry challenge. So if it's not already in my pantry, ugh, hard pressed to just go out and get, it. especially now during like Corona where I can't just be like, oh, let me go grab some lemongrass. Don't even know what section that's in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's weird to like when a recipe calls for like something really unique or like saffron, which is like $15 for like an hour. Right. <laughs> just seems right. aggressive. <laughs> or like a niece star. Like that's not the same as a niece. I have to go find a star or cardamom pods. What are you yes. talking about? Yes, for sure. So, but anyways, if anyone's looking for some inspo, Half-Baked Harvest has an amazing like food recipes for everything. So really like her. And the last thing is, I've been pondering about what I want to do when I retire, <laughs> which has led me back to food. <laughs> I love where this is going. <laughs> so I existential pandemic deep thinking from a couple weeks ago <laughs> matches with food. I love it. So then I ended up looking up cooking schools. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out I'm too old to go to cooking school. <laughs> Are you? Didn't well, Julia Child go to? I'm not too old. Like I, but like when I would want to go, like I, oh. this is like after I've retired from my current career, gotcha. I would be okay. like too far behind to like because most people like they start working as like a line chef in a kitchen and then like work their way up. Oh yeah. And now, I, do you think you could open up like a midnight diner from midnight to 7 a.m. and like just start like a cult following? Potentially, but that's not really my aesthetic. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> I think my niche is wine and charcuterie. You know Ooh. how I get so excited about charcuterie. I, mean, I did think about you this week because one of the Instagram things that I came across was charcuterie. And I was like, Wow, that looks like something that you would put together. Because, not me, <laughs> but uh, you as it's Lejana, because I remember for the Christmas party this year, you put together in an office, mind-blowing charcuterie. I wish we could have taken pictures. It was so good. Yeah, I made a charcuterie table. Yeah. So I just feel like that I could really like thrive there. I just have like, I need to have like a little corner shop that lets me like make charcuterie and like pair it with wine. I feel like if you want to open cheese tea. People... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I want to be able to like make picnics for people. Like, I, oh, started, yeah, yeah. I like, I started reading this book, which is also an excellent find. It's called What to Drink with What You Eat. 
<gasps> oh, I want that. It was designed Because I don't with, understand. Actually, America's like sommeliers came together. The authors are Andrew Dornberg and Karen Page. It's an amazing book. It doesn't just... Do, I mean, it is heavily... Because there are both sommeliers, but it is heavily paired with like wine, but they do have like options for coffee and water and like sake and different like liqueurs. It's honestly amazing. And it's a great reference because they have like a whole list of whatever you're eating, you can find the appropriate pairing. Like the other day we had like Domino's pizza and they even had a, like what wine to pair with Domino's pizza. Whoa, I like that. Yeah. So highly recommend that if you're interested in that. But yeah, so that's where I stand. I looked into cooking school. I think my future like retirement career involves a lot of charcuterie and wine. And um, (laughs) (laughs) just eating my way through the pandemic. Yeah, I I would buy a charcuterie thing from you because to me, it's very intimidating. I'm like, wait. what would I put? There's always like something green, something sticky, like a honeycomb. Where would I even find a honeycomb? It's definitely more for someone like you and I would buy it off you. Blessings. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you would know what wine to pair with it as opposed to I've been buying lately by the label. Look, it's a fun label and a great name and it's under 20 bucks. Yes. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Should I should I talk about some uh, food adventures? Yeah, please. Go ahead. Wait, you did not even mention your bread, your beautiful bread. Oh, my bad. Yeah. So I have to say, I fell on the train of I'm going to make sourdough bread with wild yeast. And when you try to create wild yeast, you basically have to do like, you feed this yeast part water, part fla- regular flour for like five days and it starts to ferment. And then that becomes your yeast for the sourdough. I was not successful at actually creating wild yeast. <laughs> so, I do remember Johnny wanted you to stop. Oh, it, for- yeah, it gets it gets <laughs> very stinky. Like <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we live in a very small space, so you know, there's no need for all that madness. Anyway, <laughs> I did like do some cleaning and I just happened to find a packet of yeast in the cupboard. And I was like, Oh, this is a win. I can make bread (laughs) with normal yeast. Yep. So I ended up following the sourdough technique, but instead of dedicating like five plus days to making wild yeast, I just substituted it with regular yeast and I cooked it in a Dutch oven and it comes out like soft on the inside and crunchy on the outside amazing so it looked beautiful you had an instagram our ladies of leisure pod that was beautiful i was like oh look at that crack down the middle oh it was it was good yes so yeah that was okay, my, I just that wanted was to my give that shout out. thank you thank you so for my food adventures i actually did write down food shows but we already talked about you know the guy fieri i and and nailed it and sugar rush. So, you know, I mentioned a little bit of that. I did not actually like bake any desserts though, surprisingly. I mean, it's one of my favorites, but I instead contacted my mom. So we had talked a little bit about some good news that John Krasinski has been doing during the pandemic where they just highlights yeah. on YouTube. He did one that was super cute that I think I mentioned last week where 
people submitted their pandemic recipes and he wouldn't make it, but he'd bring on famous people and Guy Fieri was one of them. And Martha Stewart did a pierogi recipe that someone had submitted and she said it was a great recipe. I was like, gosh, I've never actually made pierogies, but my mom did. And the church ladies at work and there's a large Polish Ukrainian population in mm-hmm. our hometown. So I asked my mom if she had not normal pierogi recipe, but blueberry pierogies. Cause those were like special occasion pierogies. Yeah. And she when you did, told she, me that it, I was like, so thrown. I was like, what you're, you're sacrificing what the pierogi is supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everyone kind of has that reaction. Cause it is like a normal pierogi just with blueberries inside. And my mom happened to have the handwritten, she sent me the the little recipe card it was on, from our neighbor, Natalka, that she had been using for years in her family. So I followed that one. And what it is, is you make a dough. And what I loved about pierogi dough, you don't need anything except flour, water, milk, and an egg. And that's it. Which and everyone like, generally has. Right. And I was like, oh, I don't need... Yeast. I don't have to ferment anything, and it, it it makes a solid dough. And you don't have to wait for it either. You just make it, and then you can start easily making the pierogies. So oh, that's nice. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I was like, oh, I could make all kinds of crazy pierogies. So it took me two hours, and I decided with this recipe, I would follow the directions to a T. So if it said one and three quarters, I made it. I also probably for the first time in my life, minus when my mom would try to teach me real baking, made a well in the flour and put the egg in it. Go you. (laughs) That's exciting. (laughs) I was like, usually when I see directions like that, I'm like, that is not for me. I have to say, I really (laughs) don't like following recipes. I used to like be so frustrated with my mom because she's like an intuition type cook, like where she just feels how much you know, flour or whatever is right. Yeah. And I used to like be frustrated. I was like, just keep like, give me the measurements. And now I find myself doing the exact same thing. So. Yeah. So the most normal main dishes, if I'm just doing like a pantry challenge where I'm throwing stuff into it, I'm, I'm doing it intuition style, but I find with baking because there's like magic that goes into it. Like if I don't get the baking powder right. And in this case, since I'd never done it before, I was like, I should really probably yeah, pay attention. I feel you on that. Yeah. So I did make the dough. You roll it out. They were very specific at one eighth thickness. It really didn't matter. And I actually followed the directions also when it said, put it in boiling water with a slotted spoon so that the pierogies don't explode. I was like, oh, I would have exploded all the pierogies. I would have just (laughs) thrown them in. And then it said, take them out and then like let them chill for a little bit with the slotted spoon. They all ended up beautiful. Even my like really thin and my really fat ones, it was piece of cake. And my husband was a little reluctant because he had your reaction where he's like blueberry pierogies. Did you just put a noodle around blueberries? That sounds weird. You usually serve them with either sour cream. I instead took plain Greek yogurt and mixed in just a pinch of sugar. Mm-hmm. And that worked out really well. And he he really liked them. And you had mentioned food porn and photography earlier. I decided to watch a class on a food blogger and how she does photography. Ooh, that's interesting. The 
food blogger had all these setups that she would do. She would take a piece of driftwood that she has made. She would recommend doing it either outside or near. She had like all these lighting techniques. She used a DSLR. So it's on blueprint.com and food blogger intro photography. It was about two hours, I think. And so some of the things I, I didn't really think of was dribbling a little bit of sugar or dropping some blueberries off a plate to make it look very haphazard. Oh, so it doesn't look as staged. Right. Even though quite a lot went into staging. And then she showed, so she did because she's teaching the class inside. She had a lot of lamps and light boxes and she did, she'd have a piece of white on one side so it would reflect light. And she said sometimes she was using a kale salad. Disgusting. Why would you do that? (laughs) But it showed uh, textures with the shadows. And she's like, sometimes you want shadows, sometimes you don't. And she slowly went through different settings like ISO on your DSLR camera or aperture or shutter speed. And so she stepped you through and she's like, it's also really hard. So like, you know, as beginners, you're going to have a lot of messiness, but you just delete it. So I tried with the blueberry pierogies to be a food blogger. And you'll see on the Instagram, my sexy blueberry pierogies, where I try to dabble stuff, doused with a little sugar to give the blueberries texture. I... I have to say they came out really good. They were they were pretty decent. I I enjoyed it. I saw your one so picture that, and it was beautiful. Yeah, so I I'm I'm very proud. I feel like I learned something and applied it, which that's it. That's my skill for the pandemic. I can now start being a food blogger mm-hmm. with all my crazy button-up food. But it sounds like <laughs> a lot of work goes into just like one or two photos. Yeah. So the recipe itself probably took me an hour and 15 minutes to do. And then the setup to get it was like another half an hour because I'd have to set it up on the board, move it over. Then I would like set it up again for the, I was like, wow, this is way too much. And even on the pictures she took on the, you know, she's, she's a expert basically her picture. She's like, okay, do this. All right, do this. Now let's do, even if she's just flipping through, you're still staging this. And as a noob, you'd be like, I I guess I'll do this. Oh, and that picture stinks. Okay. And this sucks too. It, I, I would be very annoyed and I don't think I would have to be very invested in the project to want to do it. Because right now I just take a shot and my shots are not food worthy. They're not, you know, going on any food blog, but I could see there's now a lot of deception and it's not on purpose, but now I understand when I see someone on a food blog be like, this is my food and my food just looks like limp noodles on a plate. I'm like, oh, well, they'd probably just stage that 18 times and it's not real. Like, <laughs> so it's fine. Yeah, they absolutely. Had to stage it. Absolutely. So I did some reading and research. So I've had this book for years. It's called Cooking for Geeks. And it's a thick book. Jeff Potter is the author. And it's in the same line as, you know how you see O'Reilly technical books? It's similar to those. And I've flipped through it a couple of times. I'm like, eh. So this time I sat through and I read through quite a few chapters. and. 
it has blown my mind. So some of the things that they recommend, so there's food hacks, it's why you might want to do something, the chemical processes, plus there's interviews with people who are foodies or critics or just dabblers or just food hackers in general. So it's a very interesting book. I got about a third of the way through it. And it's where they talk about why you need a good chef's knife. And it talked about all the ways to use a chef knife. So I found a chef knife. Turns out I've owned one. I've never used it before. <laughs> it comes in one of those like blocks of... Yes. Uh, Yep. <laughs> That's the big knife, right? The chef's That's knife. That's the big knife. Yeah. And so they talked about cracking garlic with it. Um, oh, yeah. They talked about, right? They talked about, and you would also crack cardamom pops with it too, if you want to do that. And then they talked about the different ways to handle it. So how you should use your wrist, how you should dice things. But then it went over all the other knives and why chefs do or do not like them if you should be using it and and how to use it, like where to put your hands so you're not stabbing, which is something I luckily, knock on wood, I have not cut myself, but it's only based on luck because the way I cut things is very dangerous. I know my friend Nicholas seen me a couple times and she's been like, please stop doing what you're doing. It's scaring me. <laughs> and it, it is very scary to watch me cut things. But... It also had some hacks that I wanted to share because it blew my mind. So you could have a really crappy oven, meaning it just does the basics, but you can fix it. So one way they said to you fix it is use a pizza stone when you're cooking. Oh yeah. And it's and it's not to cook on, it's to just have in your oven so your oven when you open it doesn't get cold. Oh. So because of the heat that a pizza stone can take on and hold on to, when you open it, your oven will stay warm and not have that drop in temperature because the pizza stone is just sitting at the bottom and will keep it keep it oh, heated. Right. And I was like, oh, that's smart. So I did that. Sure enough, I noticed a quick difference. I like they to did put say it vegetables adds, in a pizza stone because it makes it crunchier because the heat is so much more. Right. And so, yeah, so they said, if you notice that your oven may, may be like just not holding heat, use a pizza stone and that'll help. They also said, I believe it was sugar, that because sugar has this property where you can like melt it at a certain temperature, you can figure out the calibration of your oven and it, you put it in a bowl. And if it crystallizes at a certain temperature, and I, I forget what that temperature is, like, I think it was like 325, then you'll know what 325 is because that's, that's where it's at. So you can figure out where your oven is kind of at, where, where, you put the dial at 350, but it might actually be 325 or something like that. Oh. Right. So I was like, all these, all these quick hacks. And then they went over, and this was one that I actually tried to execute the proper way to do crepes. So crepes to me have always seemed like voodoo magic. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't even know how you make those. So if you mix up the crepes, they said, leave them for 30 minutes. So like you mix up like the two eggs, I think there's some flour and there's like another something in there. Once you mix it up, 
just leave it for 30 minutes because there's a process that goes along with the gluten Mm -hmm. that you want to happen. Then you get the pan really hot and you smear, you take a stick of butter. It doesn't have to be a full stick, but you unwrap it slightly and you press it into the pan Mm -hmm. so that you get it all over. And then you wipe down the pan so that it's got a super thin layer of butter on it, but not one that's like like dribbling in butter. And then they said, the best way to flip yours, and it takes a little bit, is use the spatula to kind of bend the edges over around the circle. And then to flip it, it's best to use your hands. Hmm. Interesting. And I was like, oh. So I tried it. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, crepes are are not my specialty yet, but they went, they were less voodoo magic this time. And while my crepe ended up looking like a big crunk, crunkled handkerchief, it still tasted delicious. Well, that's great. What'd you put in your crepe? I just put some sausage, egg, and cheese on it. Next Ooh, time yeah. I would probably do Nutella because I found a jar in our fridge and or not fridge, but pantry and banana. Yeah, that's yeah. delicious. Yeah, that's some deliciousness. The other thing, so I would highly recommend that book if you're a foodie and given the amount of time now, it goes over so many different things that in a digestible manner, like I could open to like the middle of the book, learn something and put it back down. I might have to the, get that. Yeah, pretty good. And then the next one I did was a book that's a graphic novel. It's a female her name's Lucy, and there's K-N at the beginning of her name. So Nisley, I believe. She wrote a book called Relish, and it's a mix of her stories where her parents worked in like the food industry, but like, you know, they might be like helping cater or they might be helping put sauces together or decorating. And this was in New York City. And so she intersperses in the book. She draws out cartoons, how to make chai tea, which is why I know about cardamom pods using a chef's knife. She also draws out, she talked about family gatherings with lamb on the grill. And she draws out the cartoons of like who started this tradition, what it looks like, and then draws out how food has been a part of just her life story and interspersed with recipes. I've had the ebook for a while and I finally like sat down and and read. I'm halfway through it. It is something that gives you a little bit of the feels. It also makes you think about a lot of family connections that you have through food. So like she was talking Mm -hmm. about when they made the lamb, it was a big family gathering. And I just thought about my grandparents where we would go to their house for major things because my cousins and aunts and uncles would come to town and we would be in this big room. There was a picture that's like the size of a wall that I remember looking at all the time. There's all these archways and there'd be like galumpkies, stuffed cabbage that would come out. Kobasa would be on the table. And so it just brought like all the memories of like, oh yeah, food is connected in this way. So it was a, it was a cute, cute book and I'm still reading it. And the pictures are very simple, but she does a really great way of illustrating. So I really liked it. And Aww, then, that's nice. yeah. And then for a couple recipes I tried, I decided to try to trick my kids into <laughs> being part of my food challenge. So my kids will sometimes not want to eat or oscillate between wanting to eat, but like, they're like, make it fun. 
So I decided to make tapas dishes. I was like, okay, I'm going to give you a dish and there's going to be food on it. And when you finish it, you bring it back and you can have another dish. And what I did was I took some of their toys and like washed them off. So like a Lightning McQueen Hot Wheels car. Another one was like a Ninja Knife and some other like toy props. And I would take out like a wheel of cheese, stick the ninja knife in it, and then put some raspberries on the side. And I called it the ninja tapas. And then when they brought it back the next time, I would take out some pretzels and then take out some pieces of turkey and make a robot out of those and put like a little robot toy off to the side. And so it made it fun, but they were easily digestible snacks. So I tried to combine, you know, those cute bento boxes that you see? Yes. Yes. So I'd wanted to do bento boxes, but I'm not good at one, making the molds of like rice that they do or having seaweed to like build eyes out of or like slices of cheese. And we're talking pandemic. I can't be running out and grabbing those stuff. So this was the closest thing that I combined where I I like the little tapas ideas. My kids had fun because they were like, I'm going to eat the ninja one now. Now I'm going to do robots. And it was all the stuff I was going to serve anyway, but they wanted to finish it more than if it was just on a regular plate. So that was kind of fun. And for my own mom, my mom would be like, eat this. You will not get get special figurines done. (laughs) (laughs) Now I will say... (laughs) There are some nights where I'm like, I just made you mac and cheese. You're going to eat it. You're going to eat it now. And, you know, it's their favorite food, so you should want to eat it. (laughs) I mean, if if you don't like mac and cheese, I don't know if I can be friends with a person. Like, it's the most delicious combo of everything. Oh my God, it's so good. So yeah, so that was that was fun. I had wanted to try a couple other things that they just didn't pan out so well. So I'd wanted to make one of my favorite foods is crab cheese pretzels. And I saw one in the frozen food section. So for $4.99, you could buy one, it was called premium crab pretzels, like one for $5. What? That's insane. So I was like, I'll go make my own. You know what you need to make pretzels? I'm not though? surprised you made your own. <laughs> no, well, so I didn't make my own because you oh. need yeast. And oh. I was like, no, man. All right. Man. But I have made pretzels before, so I should have known this. Pretzels are kind of pain in the butt. They're a special occasion thing, but crab cheese pretzels, I was like, gosh, I'm really into that. So I think I may try to make crab wontons later this week. I might post that because that's easier to do. Plus I have wonton wrappers, so I might might try that. wontons are delicious. So good. The other thing that I tried, and I did the opposite of following the recipe, there was a Thai soup and like the weather right now oscillates between being cold and then warm and cold again, chilly, not quite warm. It's perfect soup weather. And I decided to do Tom Kaga. It's coconut chicken soup. And I did a little bit of pantry challenge where I was like, well, instead of chicken, I'll use like shrimp that I have. And the only thing I didn't have was lemongrass. And what I like about the interwebbies is if I don't have something, I can look up a substitute. So they said lemon zest and lemon. And I did it in the Instapot for lunch one day. And my husband came in after I'd opened it. I was like, I made this Thai soup. Now I did do something you're not supposed to, which is not read through the whole recipe first. So I may have added all the coconut milk when you're supposed to add some later after it's cooked in the pressure cooker. 
I don't know that that made a huge difference and uh, I'll stand by the way I made it, but it was a punch of citrus to my face and it is pungent. Alex came over and was like, what is that smell? It kind of smells like old feet. It does in fact smell like old feet. And we also said for any Futurama people who know this reference, there's a soda called Slurm and it's highly addictive. And it's it's made in a disgusting way. And you find out on one of the episodes. And even though you find out how disgusting it is, mm-hmm. you still drink it because it's highly addictive. And Alex kind of said the soup was like that. He's like, it tastes delicious. But then you get like a whiff of it and you're like, oh God, it smells terrible, but it tastes so good. Oh God. And like, so it was good enough that you wanted to eat it. I reheated it the next day, far less stinky and still delicious. So I would Ooh. say... Yeah, don't get thrown off by the stinky feet smell, but ooh, it was rough. Does it, it clear the nostrils like aggressively? Is it like one of those just like you're kind of crying a bit soups? Yes, I did put some sriracha in my soup too because it was supposed to have Thai chilies and I just did a regular red pepper. Again, I just did pantry challenge, but adding the sriracha did give that like nostril hit and the citrus was just ooh pungent woo, to your face, punch it out. <laughs> so yeah. So those were all the things I did for magic food. It was a delightful foodie week. Yeah, it was. I agree with you. Yeah. Should we do our pillars? I think so. I'm all happy right. to go first if you like. I would love for you to go first. So for my productivity, I sent out Mother's Day cards via Postable. What else? I thought you'd say that. (laughs) And it was not like a scrambled afterthought moment. I sent him like a couple, like, like last week, basically. So I feel like they'll actually arrive on Mother's Day. I'm very proud of you for keeping with Postable and for having so much forethought. That's great. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm obsessed with Postable. (laughs) (laughs) For my laughter... It's on next door, actually. (laughs) So I just am baffled and amazed at like what's happening in people's brains. And like, I always think like, what leads them to publicly announce such things? (laughs) (laughs) So I was scrolling through because I like to know what's happening around in the hood. And there was a a headline, basically, of someone that wrote, it was like, stop throwing chicken scraps in the street. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, how often is that happening that you have to (laughs) that? Right. Why is this the thing right now? And I was just like so baffled. And then it like went into this detailed description, like it's dangerous for my dog. It can choke on it. Like, why would you ever do this and endanger my dog? Oh, wow. (laughs) And I was like, but like, where are you seeing this? Like, is it just by someone's garbage or like, (laughs) like I had so many follow-up questions, but the headline just made me laugh because I was like, That's a random thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes, it is. And then for my butter burn, I'm back on my I'm back on my walking business. I've been just exploring the neighborhoods, getting my steps in. This week has been really good. Been hitting my 10k on the regular, so feels good. Or not 10k? Well, yeah, 10,000 steps. So yeah, that's it. I 
have been productive in when I'm doing. So we are still fixing up our house a little bit and we are now getting our butts into gear because it's now, now people are like, oh yeah, you want to probably sell it soon. So painting and like boring tasks like that, like clearing out some stuff, I have found that if I put music on, specifically go to Spotify and put on cardio music, so something that's 140 to 160 beats per minute, super, super motivating. And I was able to like fly through like an hour's worth of painting without even like thinking about it. And it was also like bouncing a little bit to the jams. So I would say that was my productivity because uh, lately I've been trying to you know, if I'm trying to focus on a task, I'll, I'll keep it quiet, but nope, nope. Music was the way to go in some of these boring tasks. So that was good. For Butter Off the Buns, I am now in three games for my step bet challenges. And that is where you, you do a bet that you can make it for three to six weeks, depending on the game. So I have one game ending this week. And that's where I need to get active or power days, at least six days out of the seven per week. I am trying to get a power day every single, for at least six days this week. And a power day for me is 17,000 steps. So my butter off the buns has also been walking like a Momo because I need to get above 17,000. That's my own like personal goal. So far, I've done three days. I just need to do three days more. 17,000 is so intense. (laughs) It is intense. So like if I do an hour walk with Yoda in the park, I can get about 8,000. I get about 2,000 in the morning. So that, and and, and so it's 6,000 for the walk. And then while we're watching movies at night, I try to stay on the trampoline the whole time that we're watching it, which then brings me to my laugh out loud. We've decided to watch now that May the 4th came out with the Rise of Skywalker, the last episode nine Star Wars movie. So Alex refused to see in the theater because he said he's not giving Disney money because episode eight was so terrible. I didn't see it just because I wasn't motivated to go by myself. So now that it's out, we're re-watching episode seven and eight because it's been a while since we've seen them. And there's just moments where I laugh out loud now. And the one that stood out was yesterday. We were watching episode eight and Adam Driver is Kylo Ren. And there's a scene that is so unnecessary. And I don't know, I just want to be in the writer's room or the director's room or wherever it was made where they're like, okay, listen, Adam Driver is Kylo Ren. He's kind of a bad guy. He's going to be talking to Ray. What we need him to do is have pants that are higher than normal. So they're above his belly button, but they definitely show off his chest. And he's going to be talking to Ray through the force. And she's going to be uncomfortable with this and say, can you put a shirt on? And he's just going to stand there in these weird, super high pants. I just don't know, like at one point where they like, yes, we definitely need these awkward looking pants and we need this awkward scene. It's just weird. And I laughed out loud because I was like, why, why is this a thing? Or like, again, what was, what was this decision? And I bet it was a dude decision, right? No female was like, oh yeah, no, this looks great. Just show off his pecs. It's fine. It's weird. It's, it's fine. So that was my laugh out loud. That sounds great. Yeah. So th- you know what? We just went over an hour. This is 
up. We've just had such a good time talking about food that we we just surpassed. I agree. I hope our listeners enjoyed. And... LOL. LOL.